Welcome, Merry Christmas, and thanks for listening to the sermon podcast from First Presbyterian Church of Honolulu. Christianity is different from other spiritual disciplines in that God humbled himself, came to earth in the form of a baby, and dwelt among us. The Hebrew word is Emmanuel. Today, First Pres Senior Pastor Dan Chun teaches the significance of having God with us. Well, here's a scripture passage for today. Please stand as a position of worship to the Lord as I read from the Gospel of Matthew in the first chapter and the eighth verse. Now, the birth of Jesus, the Messiah, took place in this way. When his mother Mary had been engaged to Joseph, but before they lived together, she was found to be with child from the Holy Spirit. Her husband, Joseph, being a righteous man and unwilling to expose her to public disgrace, planned to dismiss her quietly. But just when he had resolved to do this, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream and said, Joseph, son of David, do not be afraid to take Mary as your wife, for the child conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. She will bear a son, and you are to name him Jesus, for he will save his people from their sins. All this took place to fulfill what had been spoken by the Lord through the prophet. Look, the virgin shall conceive and bear a son, and they shall name him Emmanuel, which means God is with us. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Please be seated. Think on the name given to Jesus in this passage. Emmanuel, God is with us. God with us. What does that mean? They say much of theology is in the prepositions, you know, above, under, for, around, with. Emmanuel doesn't mean God above us or under us or for us, but with us. Why the word with? I want to talk today about the huge significance that Christmas means Jesus is God with us. And you might find this incredibly helpful for the rest of your life. In fact, I'm reading a very cool book by a man named Sky Jitani called With, Reimagining the Way You Relate to God. And he looks at prepositions in a variety of different ways in relation to God. And I'm going to adapt some of his thoughts and add my own. Like take the phrase, live with God. If you're a person who thinks you live above God, you might be an atheist or an agnostic. You might be one who thinks you don't need God. So you are above God. You are smarter than God if there is one. And if there is one, you don't like how he runs the world. You and society can solve all of life's problems and addictions and struggles, temptations with a greater higher power. And God, the, the Bible, might seem irrelevant to you or impractical, and your own mind, your own strengths, you say, are sufficient. And you might say, if there is a God, he surely is absent or impotent. Or, here's a big one, 
He's not as caring as I would be if I ran the planet. Now, many people live this way. They live above God. God is below them, not as smart as they, and God might even seem irrelevant or not to be trusted, which implies not as trustworthy as they are or maybe too distant or non-existent. Why even pray to him? And I say this not to imply that these are stupid or bad people. I have great understanding and empathy for them. I get it on how they feel. For some, there is a reason they feel the need to live above or apart from God. They have been hurt by a church or a pastor or by a Christian or by a relative and they feel that God has let them down. He failed to answer a key prayer. Or as for many Western developed worlds, there's not a belief system that is open to the spiritual where there's a devil or angels or, or demons or, or an all-knowing, all-loving, involved divine being. Only science rules. And what you see with the physical eye is what you get. There's nothing more. Pain and suffering are other reasons that can drive some people away from even thinking that there could possibly even be a loving God that exists. The agnostic, the atheist, or those called exiles, those who were once part of the church but who have now left, can look at those who claim they are Christians and be repelled by their hypocritical Christianity. The agnostic, atheist, or exile are aghast by some Christians because of how they seem so narrow-minded and unlovingly treat people due to their, their gender or their race or immigrant or economic status or sexual orientation. It then makes it hard for them to believe that there is a God who is loving and accepting of all. When there is personal pain, betrayal, or suffering, it seems that there is no God. So why not live as if there is none or live as if you are above any fictitious God that humans may have created in their minds? I'll address this more later, but for now, let me say that I get it. Why some of you online or here in this room have rejected the faith. And I get it, how you are disappointed or angry about hypocrisy of people who claim to be so religious. I just have to say that Jesus also got angry and disappointed in people who acted religiously but really did not follow God. And if I can add, it can anger and disappoint me too. Then there are those who live for God. At the surface, this sounds good. I live for God. I'm so great and loyal. But for those who always say, I need to do this for God, must be careful that they're not living a life that is guilt-oriented or rules-oriented or life that must perform for God to, in order to attain his love. The classic statement is, I will do anything for you, God, but please don't make me a missionary for Africa. I don't even want to be a missionary. 
but I'll do it for you because a life for you will be about things I don't have a passion for, but I'm obligated to do. But I'll do it for you, but I'm going to do it begrudgingly for you. Yes, clearly as followers of God, we do things for God, but it only works if we do it out of love for God, not to earn his love. As we taught during the Raise the Sales generosity journey, which ends December 31, God loves a cheerful giver, a cheerful giver. He doesn't love reluctant givers or guilt-filled givers who feel they have to make a contribution for God, but he loves an authentic, willing, genuine, cheerful giver. I remember once I was visiting a California church with my family, and this woman got up to lead us in the offering, and she had like this scowl on her face, and she read a line that somebody must have given to her, and she said, and God loves a cheerful giver. And she was so stern and menacing, it made me think, oh man, I have to give for God, even though I have no joy in it at all. And my kids and Pam still laugh about that day, burned in our memories that a scowling God loves a cheerful giver. If children ever um, do something for their parents, the parents want them to do it out of love, not out of obligation. A spouse doesn't want an anniversary gift out of obligation, like, well, I guess I had to get a gift for you because it's our anniversary. No, it has to be out of love. Another danger of a life for God is that it can lead to a prosperity gospel that says, after all I've done for you, God, then bless me with money or fame or a better job. You owe it to me because I'm entitled to it because of all that I've done for you. It's kind of also the danger of the televangelist, right, that you've heard me speak about, where the televangelist says, give me $5,000 and for that you will be blessed by God. It's a danger of the life where I feel forced to live for God. And you, we can say, after all I have done for you, maybe you've prayed this, after all I've done for you, why is there pain in my life? Why have things gone so wrong? I've done so much for you. Yes, a philosophy of I have done so much in living for you, God, will be quicksand for us. It can lead us to either pity or entitlement. And then there's the phrase, live under God. What did our passage say? She will bear a son, and you are to name him Jesus, for he will save his people from their sins. When we hear that God will save us from our sins, some people think God is mad at us sinners. We live under him, pressed down, squashed. He doesn't want us to have fun. It's oppressive. He's out to punish us. He doesn't want us to dance or drink or smoke or chew or go with guys or girls who do. God told us, just follow 10 commandments, just 10, but we couldn't keep them. So the world made millions of more laws and broke them all too, again and again. So we made more laws and broke them. And the verse says, Jesus will save us from our sin. Not someone else's, but ours. K. 
Can we ever be humble enough to say, we need a savior? Yes, we're not perfect, and we do fall short of laws, but we could live under God's grace and forgiveness. For that actually is what Christmas is about. Now, how does that work? What did verse 23 say? Look at the Virgin Mary. Look, the Virgin Mary shall conceive and bear a son, and they shall name him Emmanuel, which means God is with us. So here it comes. It's coming home now. The plane of this sermon is about to land. This is the most fulfilling preposition, the word with. God is with us. We must daily live with God. Christmas means that 2,000 years ago, Jesus was born. He came to save us from ourselves. His name was Emmanuel, which means first, he was God, and second, he is a God who is with us. We must live with him. Do we realize how big this is? That God came down to earth, born in Bethlehem, to live with us, as he did for 30 plus years, and still live spiritually in us today. This is super important. If you ever want to know what God is really like, look at Jesus. Why does God do what he does? Look at Jesus. How does God view the disadvantaged and the sinful? Look at Jesus. He's incredibly loving and accepting towards them. How does God view money? Look at Jesus. Finally, in civilization, we can know what this invisible God is really like, for he came down in flesh on Christmas in Jesus. For the Jewish people, let's start with Moses and his people, they didn't know of a personal God in the flesh. In fact, God scared the heck out of them, in a sense. He terrified them. In the Old Testament, right, God shows up impersonally in a burning bush and or a pillar of fire, or a pillar of smoke, or in an earthquake, or in thunder, or in a storm bringing 40 days and 40 nights of flooding rain. He could bring 10 plagues upon the whole country of Egypt, including frogs and locusts and, and hail and bloody water. And he can show up in a tornado or a whirlwind and, and hail or a fiery hot furnace. Moses, Moses was very close to God, right? And he says to the Almighty God in the 33rd chapter of Exodus, show me your glory, I pray. And the Lord said, I will make all my goodness pass before you and will proclaim before you the name the Lord. And I'll be gracious to whom I will be gracious and I'll show mercy on whom I will show mercy. But God said, but God said, you cannot see my face. For no one shall see me and live. And the Lord continued, See, there is a place by me where you shall stand on the rock, and while my glory passes by, I will put you in a cleft of the rock, and I will cover you with my hand until I have passed by. And then I will take away my hand, and you shall see my back. But my face shall not be seen. So get this, imagine for thousands of years, this was as good as it got. Moses, who was closer to God than most people at the time, when he finally asked for a personal, intimate meeting with God, God says, nope, 
you can't see my face or else you're going to die. Like, that's a great conversation starter. But the Lord says, I'll put you in a cleft of a rock, a fissure, or a split in a huge rock, and I'll cover you with my hand, and you're not, and you are only going to see my backside, not my face. Backside. Some translations of the Bible translate the backside of God as the hind parts, the behind view, the heels of God. That's all humans close to God got back then. The backside of God in addition to the tornado, the whirlwind, and the thunder. That's it. But then, but then it came. What came? Christmas. God changed the game. God brought about Christmas, a true game-changing disruption. God came down to earth in the flesh in Jesus Christ. And for 30-plus years, for three decades, you could see God's face, not his behind, his actual face, and the entire body. You could touch him. You could laugh with him. Children loved to run up to him. And he said, bring the children to me. Cakey could sit in his lap. And he hung out, and he partied with the poor, and the sinners, and the gluttons, and the drunkards. He probably told a few jokes. He loved sinners because he came to save those who knew they were sinners, admitted they were sinners, admitted that their hearts needed help. Self-confessed sinners are humble. And we got to see Jesus' face, God's face. The Apostle Paul wrote a letter to a Corinthian church in 2 Corinthians chapter 4, and he said, for it is the it is the God who said, let light shine out of darkness, sounds like Advent, who has shown in our hearts to give the light of the knowledge of the glory of God in the face of Jesus Christ. This is why we light the Advent candle. Jesus' light can shine out of our darkness. And just as AJ shared this morning, you know, I just love um, Tim Keller's perspective on this. When he wrote this, he said, Moses would be jumping up and be saying to every one of you, do you realize what this means? This is the very thing I was denied. This means that through Jesus Christ, you can meet God. You can know him personally without terror. He can come into your life. All of that majestic glory can come and embrace you. Do you realize what's going on? So, like, where's your joy? Where's your amazement? Why isn't this the driving force of your life? He took away the sin. He took away the terror. He took away the fear and took away the barrier of guilt between us and God. So now let me bring it home in a real practical way. For those of you who are agnostic, atheists, or exiles, I get it. I get it about your doubts. I get it about your disappointments and how you can see the hypocrisy with Christianity. And for you going through a hard time, maybe a time of suffering right now, the hard road of life, I get it. Um, you know, one of my favorite gospel songs is uh, from the movie Leap of Faith, starring uh, Steve Martin and Deborah Winger and... Um, Liam Neeson of Taken. And it's kind of an obscure song. The song is called Changing My Life. Anybody know that? 
Yep, it's pretty obscure. It kind of goes like, um, I've been lonely, I've been cheated, I've been misunderstood, I've been washed up, I've been put down and told I'm no good. But with you I belong, cause it helps me be strong. There's a change in my life since you came along. Mary Hicks, I'm replacing you, man. <laughs> but this is the meaning of God with us, right? That God is with us daily, even when we've been lonely and misunderstood or feeling cheated, betrayed. Jesus is with us daily, even when we feel washed up and put down and told I'm no good. But with the Holy Spirit, we can become strong and there's a change in our lives because God in Jesus came along. And we have got to activate the possibility of a relationship with the Messiah Jesus who is fully human and fully God. When we realize that Jesus is for real, I mean like he's real, and he walked this earth, and I believe he's right now in this room, when we realize his presence and ask him into our lives, it's like, as a woman in our church once said, her life went from black and white to technicolor. You know, last week, Pastor Tim preached about the U.S. Coast Guard, right? And how it's committed to um, going out and saving people's lives no matter what the cost. Their motto is always prepared. And they don't judge people as to whether they were in trouble at sea due to their stupidity or inability or reckless immaturity or their sailing incapability. No judgment. When someone needs saving, the Coast Guard's like fires up their engines, man, and their ships and airplanes go to rescue them, save them, knowing that their own lives might be in danger. Can we remember when we once needed saving, then someone took the time to, in a sense, rescue us and share about Jesus, our Lord and Savior? Can we remember what it was like to have Christ in our lives and ha how it went from kind of like monochrome to kodachrome or technicolor? Can we pay it forward and have the same passion or desire to fire up our e engines to evangelize or help others experience that? Or are we just gonna keep it to ourselves for the rest of our lives? Maybe you're at a point where, where you can admit, um, I might have been a Christian for a while, but there's so much I don't know about the Bible or Jesus or the Holy Spirit or prayer, so how can I find a safe place to explore all that. Then for others of you, maybe you're at a point where you're just trying to figure out who this Jesus is. Like, is he for real? And maybe you are an agnostic or an atheist or an exile, and you wonder, if I were to investigate Jesus, would there be a safe community in which I can test things out? Or maybe some of you have a friend or relative who wants to explore the faith, but they need a safe place to do that. Well, for all of these things, help is on the way. Because as you heard Jenny say earlier, in January 2022, we are asking the entire church, yes, the entire church, 
to take the Alpha course together. It's our New Year's resolution. And when we do things together, it just seems more powerful. There's power in community. It was just like Race to Sales when all of us got involved in the same thing. All of the church will, will hear the Alpha course in sermons by our preachers for about 12 weeks starting in the third week of January. And it'll cover all the topics that every Christian should know. And we are asking all of the church attenders to participate in a small group to discuss the week's topic that they heard um, on Sunday or in another way, which I'll explain. So small group facilitators are trained to make sure the discussions will be safe, non-judgmental space to explore the Christian faith. And you can do it on Zoom or here at the Ko'olau campus or at the Vine campus in Kaka'ako on Sundays or on a weeknight. And sign-ups begin today, and so you can look at the tables in the other wing. We even hope to have a one-day retreat for the entire church. We're all going to be together in March to meet here to go deeper on a few topics. But like the Coast Guard, we must have a passion to help people and serve them and lead them to the true one who can save people, our Lord Jesus. So for those of you who are already followers of Jesus, I'm calling you to be like the Coast Guard, to always be prepared to look for people who could use a spiritual hand. Alpha is also for those who don't know Jesus at all. And now is the time to pray for them and possibly invite them to an Alpha group. And so when you came in on each of your seats, um, or in the chat area right now online, is a card asking you to pray for just three people that they might know Christ. It looks like this, right? So think and write their names down. We're being very intentional. And those of you online, you can download the card from the Alpha section on the web website. Or it might be a link in the chat right now. So over the next four weeks, pray for them and consider a way to invite them to Alpha, which begins Sunday, January 16. Now, what's, what's best for seekers who might not yet be Christians? Well, I would say it may be best to try one of the Zoom groups or go to the Vine. For many, those options might seem safe and comfortable. And if they're up to it, you might bring them on a Sunday to the worship service to hear the talk and then meet with a small group after the service. But that might be too big a jump to some of our unchurched friends. So the Vine Alpha groups might be more better as it is just the course without the worship. And yes, Alpha will also be for the Christians. Every Sunday or on a weeknight, we'll go over all of the basics of Christianity in which we should be well-versed, like what is the Bible? How do we know it's reliable? Who is the Holy Spirit? Why is there so much suffering? How does prayer really work? It's, it's kind of like, I know it sounds basic, but it's kind of like the uh, famous football coach, Vince Lombardi of the Green Bay Packers, where he gets his professional football players together in spring practice, and he would say, this is a football. And just go over the basics. This is how you catch it. This is how you throw it. This is how you block. This is how you tackle. And for us Christians, the Alpha Series can be an in-depth refresher course but knowing also what our non-Christian friends would hear if they went to Alpha. So the big question for us all of whether Christian or unchurched or exile or agnostic or atheist is, what does it really mean to live a life 
with God, Emmanuel, Jesus Christ, God with us. Is he real? Even when we suffer and think, after all I've done for you, Lord, why is there pain in my life? So let me close with a very practical takeaway for you all by telling you about Jerry Coffey. A dear friend, a member of our church who died recently. In fact, his celebration of life, which you are all invited to, will be in person today at church and live streamed at two o'clock from, uh, that's Hawaii Standard Time, uh, December 12th. So we too often and too lightly use the term hero, but Jerry Coffey was truly a hero. A Navy pilot, Jerry was shot down doing a reconnaissance flight over Vietnam during the war in the 60s, and he spent seven years, nine days in a prisoner of war jail in Hanoi, North Vietnam. Solitary confinement and torture were part of his life for more than seven years. Often he was tortured to protect other prisoners. You see, he was in charge of the secret communication code of, of tapping that allowed POWs to communicate even though they were in solitary confinement. And his captors wanted to find out about it, but he wouldn't break um, and confess. So, and at times their torture was horrible. The prisoners' wrists were often tied in front of them, and then their captors would throw their arms all the way back behind their heads and try to make their hands touch their back and in the process, of course, tearing the muscles and ligaments in their shoulders and arms. Often, it was days they could stand again as their legs were also beaten, and they would just lie on the floor of their cells. Jim Hickerson, also a member of our church, and a POW for five years, was also tortured. Jerry Coffey said, if he had known he was going to be locked up for more than seven years, years. He didn't know if he could have made it. But he also said that he's discovered, in Jerry's words, God equals strengths, and I found it works. God equals strength. He said his prayers change from, why me, God? Why did this happen to me? To, show me, God. Show me what I'm going to do with this. What are you preparing me for? How am I to use this experience? How am I to serve? Help me be a better, smarter, stronger person in every way possible that I can be. Help me to use my life uh, productively so that this time is not just a vacuum or void in my life. And after that day, he said his life took on new meaning even though he was locked up for years because there was a purpose with God. And later, after he got out of prison, Jerry toured the world to encourage thousands and to tell people of his rock-steady faith in God. In response to something bad happened, you may have heard people in our church say the words, Jerry Coffey. It's, it's their way of saying, all things work together for good for those who follow God. Not only was it because of Jerry's heroic endurance in prison as a prisoner of war, but it was because of what happened years ago with Jerry in America. Jerry and his wife Susan were at the Dallas-Fort Worth airport 
in Texas, and they missed their departing flight. And if you ever have missed a flight, you know how irritating and disappointing that can be. So they decided to eat a meal at the airport as they waited for the next possible flight. And while there, Jerry suffered a heart attack. Later, Susan and we all realized that had Jerry not missed his flight out and instead got on that long scheduled plane trip and had his heart attack then, he probably would have died. You see, it turned out well that he missed his flight. And we at church began to say, gee, that was a Jerry Coffee moment. Seemed bad, but turned out good. Soon after that, I was traveling, leading a tour from Hawaii, and when we arrived tired in Florida on our way to El Salvador, we discovered that our hotel was overbooked, and there was no room at the inn for all of us. And being a good tour host, um, I let the other very tired travelers stay at the hotel we were booked in and to get their immediate rest and I got on a bus to go to another hotel to which I was newly assigned. Well, the substitute hotel turned out to be bigger, nicer, and my room was so elegant, and it offered a free, immense breakfast for the next day. And I thought to myself, Jerry Coffee. <laughs> it was another Jerry Coffee moment. The situation seemed bad, but it turned out good, Jerry Coffee. And I shared these incidences with the church and, it, and, it became, and others, and it became a trend. And so you will often hear people say in our church, Jerry Coffee, their way of saying the, the Bible verse 828, Romans 828, all things work together for good for those who follow the Lord. In fact, at today's celebration of life service for Jerry, we will be offering for a donation coffee packaged by our own coffee meister, Al Cusina, who owns his own coffee factory. And Al went to Africa a couple of times with Jerry and Susan to help those in poverty. And this coffee will be called, wait for it, Jerry Coffee. <laughs> and the profits will go to the U.S. Vets at Hawaii, uh, U.S. Vets Hawaii at Barber's Point uh, to assist homeless veterans to gain residential stability and help them gain employment. And uh, Jerry was on the advisory council there. So if we have bags left over after, this, uh, after the memorial service today, we will offer them at our campus, uh, Hebrews Espresso Bar, every Sunday starting next week. So Jerry Coffee Coffee is going to be a mixture of a Hawaiian and Colombian Supremo. And for those online, you can order them at the address you see on the chat screen right now. Now, one way to remember Jerry and his positive nature, but also remind us, is to think of Romans 8:28. All things work together for good for those who follow God. Now, as I once mentioned before, when, when Jerry worshipped here, while other men may have been ashamed of showing emotion during the singing, maybe thinking it's not macho or too Pentecostal to raise a hand in honor of the Lord who saved us, Jerry would put his arms and hands up and worship God. And if you think about it, raising the same arms that were tortured and torn and injured in honor of our Lord, who was also tortured with his arms out for our sake, for he offered us the code for our, our salvation. 
and he went out and rescued us like a divine Coast Guardsman. When Jerry and Jim Hickerson, also a POW um, and church member, finally were freed from prison and returned to the United States, they flew into Hickam Air Force Base in Honolulu near midnight, their first stop in America, finally. And a young cub reporter for KGMB TV News went down there to film the story over two nights that would feed the CBS affiliate stations around the world. And as Jerry and Jim walked off the plane, little did I know, as, as I was that cub reporter, that someday I would be their pastor and praise God that he would allow the three of us to be friends and team together in ministry. It was indeed another Jerry Coffee moment. All things work together. And in case you didn't know, Jim's wife, Carol, helped design the black POW MIA flag that so many institutions and bases fly today. So when God is with you, when you live a life with him, then you can find, you can talk to him all the time. You can journal a letter, you can pray with him. And Jesus said to his disciples, remember, I call you friends, friends, not servants. So, can we pray for our friends that they might become friends with God? And maybe it'll be through the Alpha Course and you can put their names on the card. So, do you realize now what this Christmas means? God came down to be with us, to be the light in the midst of our darkness, to be strength and purpose in the midst of our spiritual, emotional prisons, and to be our friend. And if we're going through a hard time, can we be like Jerry Coffee and not ask, why me? But rather, show me. Show me what you want me to do with this and how this will make me stronger and how I can help others. So, Merry Christmas. This is the true way of Jesus, and we can live with him every single day. Amen? Amen. 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 Let's pray. Lord, it's amazing. God, it's amazing. The Almighty God that you came down to earth to be with us, to show your face and be accessible. And Lord, there may be people here who are saying, this is the day I want to live a life with you, not apart from you, not over you, not under you, but with you. And if someone is here, whether atheist, agnostic, exile, or Christian, who says, I want to make a new commitment to you, may they just say a simple prayer with me of basically just Sorry, thank you, please. And you may say this right now in the silence of your heart. Of oh Lord, sorry. Sorry, I have been distant in some way. And sorry for the sins I have committed. But thank you, Lord, for forgiving us, showing your grace and always wanting to be with us. And you don't judge us as we want to return to you. And so please, come into my life. Come Holy Spirit, come. 
And may this be a day from here on that I live daily with you. And Lord, as heads are bowed and eyes are closed, maybe there's some here who made that first-time commitment or maybe even a recommitment. And I, as their friend and pastor, if they would just raise up their hand and by doing so just say, okay, I made that, I made that prayer. You can just do that right now. And the Lord sees your hand and sees your heart. Okay, you can lower your hand now. Lord, praise God for these people. They're turning a quarter. They're writing, writing a new chapter. And now, Lord, it just makes, has even more meaning when we sing, O come, O come, Emmanuel, God with us. And so, Lord, right now, may we stand and sing with all of our hearts this carol to you. In Christ's name, amen. I should mention for those of you online that if you made a commitment, you'll notice there's a button there that says, uh, I commit to Jesus, and you can just hit that button to say that before the Lord, since um, I couldn't see you raise a hand. And if you want some prayer, there's a button there to hit also, if you would like some prayer with somebody who will meet with you very quickly, if you hit that button to confidentially pray with you. And here in, in the sanctuary, if any of you want prayer, the prayer team will be right out through that glass door and out in a very beautiful area out there. You can have a, a private, confidential time to pray with someone. And now for all of you, I have a blessing, so please receive this. May the Lord bless you and keep you. May his face shine upon you, his countenance be upon you, and may you know deep in your heart the wonderful love of God the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. In Christ's name, amen. amen. God bless you all. Merry Christmas. Ohui ho. I'll see you all later. Bye-bye. When we put our belief in Jesus, he is with us. The result is a life full of Jerry Coffee moments where all things work together for good. If you want to catch up on or re-listen to previous services, you can find past sermons on our websites, fpchawaii.org and thevinehawaii.org. You can also find First Prez sermons on most major podcast services and on YouTube. In-person worship continues, with some ministries having resumed at church. There are two live services at 8 a.m. and 10 a.m. every Sunday morning. If you'd like to participate, we ask that you sign up through the website on a weekly basis. Both services will be streamed live on the church websites, fpchawaii.org and thevinehawaii.org. Please sign up for First Pres emails where you can get links to sermons, daily devotionals, church news and updates, registration for in-person worship, and lots more. And as always, if there's anything First Pres can do for you, please reach out through the website or just call 808-532-1111. For Senior Pastor Dan Chun and the entire staff at First Pres, I'm Michael Shishido. Until next time, God bless you. Merry Christmas. Stay safe. And thank you for listening. This sermon podcast is copyright 2021 and produced by the media ministry of First Presbyterian Church of Honolulu.